good? I'm working on a Jeep and then coming to do a podcast. I'm glad I got it out. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I was... Put it back on and have the time. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast unless you want to, but I've been miserable doing this fucking thing. What? The podcast. What do you mean being miserable? I, I, I don't, and I'm, I'm struggling to do it. Not to shoot it. I mean, this ain't no problem. I mean, I always get anxiety when I think about doing the podcast, but it's like the promoting it, putting it out, it's been hard. It's been exhausting. You want to explain that? Yeah, I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, there's been a lot going on. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to talk about it because I sound like I'm bitching and moaning every time. Whatever. Maybe you just need to talk about it. Well, not on here. I don't want to sound like a bitch. I'd say we're rolling. We are? Yeah. He he hits record early on. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Episode 10, Freddie Camacho. Back again. Back again. I'm surprised you... I'm not surprised you came back. But uh, I didn't know if you ever would. I didn't know if you actually enjoyed it. I told you last time I did. I know, but shit, I don't know if he was bullshitting me. I liked it. Yeah. It's harder. We was talking about it, me and Eric, my last guest. I think I did not realize how difficult it would be to... So I see these other podcasters, and I know what they're doing. Well, I don't really watch too many podcasts. Joe Rogan. And then there's a couple that I kind of went and looked at. For reference, so I could see what it is, uh, you know, how a podcast runs, you know, yada, yada. And they're all very formal. This is episode so and so and so. And I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just, I sounded like, oh, I sounded like a dick. But but it was very strategic. And I was like, well, that's not really me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But I noticed, I think they have an advantage by doing these interviews. Because somebody's coming on to promote something. You know, the big podcast, you know, the... They're promoting somebody's got a book or a movie or something like that. So, you know, they just sit there and ask questions. And that's not me. I'm not the type to sit and ask questions. And so, okay, I thought my podcast could literally just be good conversations. And we were talking about it. Good conversations happen organically. You know, you're sitting there with your buddies. You're drinking a beer or not. You're at a restaurant. You're just riding down the road. You didn't plan on it. It just happened. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So planning a conversation, which I don't do, I don't know. It's weird thinking about what I'm going to say to somebody, and I don't. But still, it still pops in my head. Like, what are we going to talk about? Does that make sense? It's hard. Yeah, I see it because uh, on our trip to Windrock, organic. It's just started. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't well, it didn't just start. It was two hours in a vehicle, and something got said. Like one trigger word, right? A concept. Yeah. Somebody said something. We're like, oh, somebody comments on that. And before you know it, you are in a deep a, conversation. Yeah. 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 So that's why this is more difficult. So how do we fix it? What do I? Oh, well, I don't know if it needs to be fixed because every conversation I've had so far has been amazing. But there's always that beginning that's tough. Do you have any anxiety? No. None. Say, so I guess I guess I'm just an anxious person. I feel perfectly fine. I mean, yeah. all you're doing I, is talking. I yeah, mean, I'm not nervous. Uh, I'm not nervous. Well, I just I'm, I suffer from that form of anxiety, which I call it. It's more of an anticipation. You know, 
I've always had it, so just part of it. It goes away. It only takes a few minutes. I mean, I'm fine. Do I look fucking nervous? No, I'm not nervous. But it, I'm just trying to say it's hard to think about. I need to probably cut all this out because it's probably boring as shit. But I, I, I've realized why this podcast is harder than I expected it to be because I expected to just come in and have good conversations. But you can't expect those things, right? Sometimes they take hours just to get going. Well, if it's random thoughts. Yeah, it's true to its word, isn't it? Just let it be. Well, that's what we're doing. And I'm going to stick with it because who knows what nugget of beauty and golden, like the next great thing may come from this because we don't, we didn't, what creativity is born in? Do you know? No. Spontaneity. That's the secret. That's the magic dust. So if you're all structured and planned, right, and you know, that's why I don't have itineraries, because my best trips were always the ones where I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew where I was going, for the most part. This is where we're going to go. But I never wanted to put down a list. This is what we're going to do this hour, that hour. I don't like that either. Yeah. Best plan since I was a kid. Is that when I was old enough to get my ass to town? That's what we call it, going to town. Obviously, I lived in the country. I mean, I don't mind having one or two things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, we're going on vacation. I don't mind having one or two things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. We got to go to this dinner and all that. But the rest of the time. Yeah. Best plan is no plan. Yeah. That's what I used to say. Every time we're going to town, what are we going to do now? I don't know. Best plan is no plan. So I'm going to stay true to that. That's what this podcast has been so far. And I guess I was just venting there a little bit saying, and it hasn't been as easy as I expected. A lot of anxiety came with it. Hard work always pays. Yeah, I know. I don't know if there's much hard work in this. We're just bullshitting. It is if you're having to think about it. I don't think about it. I don't think about it. I block those thoughts. But the anxiety, the anticipation, you know, it still kind of gets my belly. So it's hard work. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't nothing. It's just, um, it's, it's so funny because... You know, I kept thinking, well, someday it'll go away, you know. It ain't butterflies. It's weird. You know, I kind of want to change the fucking subject because we're stuck. We're not stuck. We're We're stuck. stuck. How are we stuck? I can't get out of this conversation. (laughs) Maybe this is what we talk about. You asked me to talk about it. It is called random thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Every podcast I've I've seen, every podcast you've done is you. I mean, I feel like. Maybe the chair set switch around tonight. Maybe you're the guest. Oh, tonight. I'd like that. Ask me some questions. So, <laughs> all right, if that's the question, then how you control that? How you deal with that? Because you can't be the only person that deals with that. There's no be everybody people. does. I mean, no. Let me tell you. I mean, when that's why I asked you if you was anxious or nervous or anything. You wasn't. But let me tell you, it's it's hard. Everybody feels it, and you know. And then you're 15 minutes in. And the next thing you know, you're in some amazing conversation, and that's what happens every time. And we forget that we were ever nervous. You know, because people come over here, every one of them suffer from the same thing. What are we going to talk about? Well, what if we talk about this? Oh, we could go. and you can try to role play this thing. You know, everybody does it. I mean, it would be crazy to think that we don't talk to ourselves in our own head. But we don't get very far. I was actually thinking about it on the way back here. I need to start writing, but I'm not a writer. Like, all these questions I have in life, all these things that I'm trying to figure out, they're in my head, and it's really difficult to process information stuck in your head. you got to get it out. So there's two ways to really learn, and that's to write. That's what essays are for. 
or speak. That's what lectures are for. People think of lectures as a place to learn, but I'm the a, pe- I'm an essay. You like to write essay? ASA. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the purpose of those two things. And when I discovered that people that gave le- lectures, they're actually up there refining their own ideas. They're discovering their own thought. Like they're trying to get shit out. So that's about the only two ways from what I've learned that you can really expand the ideas that you've been working on. So talk about it or write about it. I don't like to write because I couldn't read my own handwriting when I was done. Can't type for shit. Sure as shit can't spell. Uh, thank God for Siri. I You know, I, I do voice texting. Maybe she can write the whole thing. Probably. Actually, I can talk about this, and this can all be transcribed one day if I ever wanted to. There you go. I don't see any reason to do it. But just bullshitting with people is where I really learn the most is what I'm saying. That That's why I like doing this. I think it's nice. I mean... I know coming in here tonight, we mentioned a lot of things we want to talk about. But now that we're here, things that... I don't even know if we... Say, did we... You said a lot, but I don't think we... It was all just, one thing to me. Everything... Well, we talk of different... Might, might have been one thing, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of different little things to make that big thing. Yeah. Well, everything maybe needs to start off with a question. No one ever comes in here with a question. That would make my life easier. Question to anything? Anything. Ask a question. Let's see where it can go. All right. Where did the dinosaurs go? Fuck, man. Underground. Buried upon miles of dirt. I can't answer that question. (laughs) You know why? I have a a thing that I'm really good at. Somebody texted me something today, and I thought, and it was politically related, I guess you could say. And I just thought, hmm. I'm really good at not worrying about things that I can't really understand or have an, have an effect on. Honestly, if I can't wrap my head around it, I don't waste any time on it. I just move on. I focus on the things that I can uh, make sense of, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why I've never invested any effort in the dinosaurs. Because I think eventually we're all going to end up just like them. So I think I, I understand how how – precious life is now you know all these things that i wonder and think about it's it's taught me the value of life and it's got me to the point that i don't worry about anything that i can't change right now not i don't i ain't worried about shit i ain't worried about next week i ain't worried about yesterday i'm worried about right now that's what i can worry about and um because i've under i've i've got to a point in my life that i truly for me feel like I have a, a good understanding of the value of life and how precious it is and how lucky we are to even exist as a species, you know, and then not only be that species, but then to have evolved to a point that we can have this conversation. Like it, the, the numbers just don't make sense. You know, it's where you turn back to religion. That's why so many scientists, I think, de- depend on religion because nothing else makes sense. And I don't, I don't think of it as religion. I think of it as a higher power. And you know, man made all the religions, but um, I, I, you know, it kind of makes sense to me. But anyways, I mean, what I was trying to say is, is, I've just got to a point that I just love life and I love living it. And I was talking to my mom today. We went to lunch, and I was like, man, I think I'm at that point that if I had to give up my life for the greater good, I would feel pretty good about doing it. It's like, I'm I'm not ready to die, but I'm okay with it if it's something that happens. If you told me, Nathan, you only got a week left, I'd be like, shit, who do I need to call? 
Like, I wouldn't be freaked out over it, I don't think. I, I could be wrong, but, you know, everybody thinks about death, and it used to kind of freak me out. I used to kind of be scared of it, but not anymore. I'm kind of content. I feel like I've done my job with my kids. They're going to be fine from this point forward. But that's kind of where I'm at. Same thing here. I'm, I'm, I actually was uh, thinking about that today on the way to work. I'm content and happy where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I guess we all reached, I don't know if we all do reach that point where you finally just content with life and happy. And you, I mean, nothing has happened to me that to make me think that was just like the light came on one day. It's like, I'm very happy with my, I'm very blessed. I'm happy the way I'm living, what I have. Like, I don't want no more, no less. It's, it's like I'm finally found a happy spot mm-hmm. for me. Like, I, I don't have to go and try to find something to make me happy. And it no. may come and go. It it could be. So but. I don't know. And I'm wondering, see, uh, the only thing that I'm unhappy about, so I had this desire to travel the world. Well, how do you do that? It ain't fucking free. So, you know, you got to hustle. And so I've made a lot of life choices that could set me up to do that, to travel as much as I want and still make money. That's hard, right? That's, that's it's very hard. That'd be the dream. And um, all the choices I've made have kind of aligned. My opportunities in life are really in aligned with more traveling. The problem is, is that some of the opportunities that I've created for myself or took advantage of that were available at the time, have put a tremendous amount of stress on me. And um, a lot of the stuff I'm doing is not fun at all. And I'm not good at doing shit that I don't find fun, <laughs> especially when there's not somebody there to make me do it. You know, be self-employed is very miserable. But it's also very rewarding. Like, the reward is insane. But with, I always say, I, you know, you got to minimize that. If it, if the reward is really high, then the then the the flip side of that, something I've been thinking a lot about lately, the flip side. No matter what you change in your life, there's always going to be a counter to that. For whatever positive you have, there's always a negative. And the negative for me is is um, just the anxiety that I feel from work that needs to get done, a lot of responsibility on things that I don't want to do, and I'm thinking, golly, man. I think I've made some bad choices, you know, maybe, maybe traveling the world full time or as much full time. Maybe that's not the secret. Maybe because, you know, I'm just not built to do things that I don't want to do. And some people can, it blows my mind how somebody can just grind it out. And I've done it for so long. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just burnt out. The point is, is that I'm in one of those ruts right now where I'm not as happy. I'm, I'm happy. I'm just stressed. Um, but that, it's a cycle that I always go through. I spend very little time in my life stressed. Most of it's very happy. I, I always draw. <laughs> you know, my, my life looks like this up here, happy. And then when I come down, because I just came down off some really crazy highs, um, I'm going to spend a little time down here reflecting on, well, am I sure that's the right path? You know, do I really need to travel that much? Um or as grandchildren in my future, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I, like, I think I use these opportunities of being 
It's like you giving a hand to your son. No, we were talking about that. And I, <laughs> I had never imagined having grandkids. And then I was, it hit me, though, and I thought, that's not a bad idea. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to it if it happened. I'm not trying to encourage him to do that. I want him to go live his life. Um, but I take these moments where I'm unhappy, because that would be the opposite of happy, and, and reflect on the choices that I've made that got me here and say, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate. And I think that's what the point of these unhappy times in our lives is for. I, I see it as order and chaos and chaos is up here in the happiness. You don't know what's happening. I mean, life is any possibility is out there. Life is infinite possibilities. That's, that's, that's seen as chaos on the yin yang symbol, the painting mm -hmm. I got back there. I refer to it all the time, but that's possibilities. That's where you learn. And then the opposite side of that is order which I kind of see it as the unhappy part. Like nothing's really stimulating me. Nothing, no, no, no synapses are firing, you know, and I'm not, I'm not excited. And, uh, I think that's just as every bit as important as the happy stuff, because you got to come down here and think about the choices you've made. And am I sure I'm on the right trajectory? Did I make all the right choices? So it's a, it's a time to recalibrate. That's where I'm at. I'm in a recalibration mode and, uh, I got to weigh things out. And how long you think you're going to be in that category? Oh, it don't last long. It doesn't last long. It doesn't last long at all. Um, I mean, this week, a lot could change this week. You know, I've got some things that I'm working on. I've got to I've got to work some things out. And if it goes the right way, shit, I'm right back on top for a few months maybe. I feel good for a few months. Anything's possible. I take on more than I should. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that too. <laughs> Fuck yeah, let's make that. I shoot that music video. I get really excited. And, I mean, all the energy in the world to go accomplish things is in that chaos. And then my body and life says, whoa, calm down, calm down. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Reflect. And then it's like that cortisol in our bodies. Mm -hmm. That's what's being released is high levels of cortisol. And uh, that's that stress hormone that I talk about a lot. I know I've probably talked to you about it, but that's what's happening to me right now. My body is saying, hey, dumbass, <laughs> chill the fuck out. You're no superhero. And uh, you, you, um, you need to re rethink some of these choices you're making. And that's the beautiful part of it. It's not me bitching. It's me saying, well, I don't want people to think that my life is perfect. And I don't know if anybody does, but some people think that I have a really good life. And I would agree. I do. I love it. But I want people to know that it's not just all sunshine and rainbows, that there's these moments in life that are important that I would consider to be unhappy, not really depressed, because I think of depression as dwelling on the past. Um, but I think of it as it mine's more anxiety. Like, are you sure you want to do that? So thinking about the future, thinking about things that need to be done, um, obligations that I put myself in, if any of that makes sense. So it that's does. where I, that's why I spend my moments in the lows other than death of a family member or dog, you know, those don't keep me down long, but keep some people down long. Not everybody. Well, I tell everybody, you don't get to choose how you feel. You get to choose how long you feel that way. Correct. Yeah. That's one. How we doing? He's out of focus. You leaned up. Did I? That's okay. Maybe I should just leave the focus live. I'm just afraid it's going to rack. You look so good. I don't really want to mess with it. <laughs> right. Anyways, here, we didn't even so, know what we was going to talk about. And here we're already in a conversation. Yeah, see, Keep going. So because the, I think it's we don't talk about the things. When people talk about being unhappy, they're usually bitching about it and whining. I think there's other ways to, to talk about. When people, I mean, I think we all get unhappy at some point. Yeah, you have I to. Mean, it's it, important. It's, it, 
And when I say unhappy, I don't mean depressed. I mean the opposite Correct. of being happy. I think the, and depressed is just, I feel like it's you dwelling on something for so long that it consumes all your energy. Eckhart Tolle de- describes pr- depression as the past. He said depression is, is dwelling on anything in the past that could never be corrected or resolved. I think we, we should reflect on the past and think about the good times and the memories, but, and even reflecting on some mistakes that you made, but not dwelling on them. Oh, I could have, what if I wouldn't have done that? Well, that's where depression comes from. And then he talks about anxiety is the future. And it's dwelling on things that have never happened, probably never going to happen. Worry. I see very little value in worrying. I, when I catch myself doing it, I'm getting really good at, <gasps> stop thinking about that because there's no value in it. Your brain tricking you and trying to get you to focus on something that doesn't exist. So that's why I it's talk about worrying is thinking some will or may not happen. So yeah, you can kind of plan for, okay, what if the government shuts down? Well, I got a month's worth of food. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's the kind of worrying that I like to focus on. Like, okay, how much ramen noodle can I get for a hundred bucks? And how long could you live off that? That's the type of worrying that I think of, you know, things that I can have an effect on if this catastrophic event happens like a house fire. Okay. I got a fire extinguisher here. Fires. That's the kind of stuff that I like to worry about and, 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 and dwell on, you know, those possible catastrophic, catastrophic future events well okay well i can't really put a sprinkler system on my house so i'm not gonna lose sleep over it but i'm gonna have a couple fire extinguishers i, mean, I got a gun you know i got a gun so yeah one of the things i'm teaching my girls is not to worry about things especially when you have no control over it yeah you you can only a, control the outcome mm-hmm. of whatever that happens it takes a lot of practice so, though it, it does yeah. so my thing is when was last time you went to sleep and you worry you were going to have oxygen next morning to wake up. Never. I go to sleep within moments of laying my head on the pillow. Is Here lately, a- I've been waking up at two o'clock in the morning because I've been, uh, I need to do this thing that I don't want to do. It's my body saying, Hey Dick, you made a, you, you, you made a commitment. You said you would do this and you're running out of time. And that's my body releasing high levels of cortisol saying, you better go get this done. And the minute I get it done, instantly goes away. And I start getting hits of dopamine. Like, oh, it's the reward. Like, oh, yeah, good. See, all you had to do is do it. I'm just not really, really good. I'm really good at avoiding because I work best when I don't have a choice. The night before the thing is due is when the creativity comes out of me. So I kind of try to balance that thing out because you're, you, I truly believe your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses 100% of the time. The thing that makes you charismatic is also the thing that maybe makes you unreliable, right? So there's, it's, a, it's about balancing those things out. But you just said something that made me think about it. So you're telling your daughters not to worry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm teaching my daughters in and my wife okay. not to worry. They're, How do you teach them? You tell them not to do it. Well, I tell them not to do it. And one of the things that brought that up is because my wife asked me, I wish I could have a little bit of your, I forgot what she called carefree. it. Kind of carefree. Yeah. I mean, I care about everything else. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I think it probably has to do more with my faith or the way I 
a part I am in life. Yeah, now. well, I think that's the value of faith. You uh, yeah. can put it in God's hands, or correct? Whatever your faith. So is. one of the things that one of the verses that I always I keep in my mind is it says, you know, don't worry about for you know tomorrow because tomorrow has these own worries. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I worry about today. And the thing is, for example, um, the water heater broke, mm-hmm. exploded. Panic, water everywhere. I could come home and be like, all right, babe, well, we'll fix it here in a minute. Yeah. There's no money in the bank. We barely got money in the bank, you know, to eat. I'll be like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yep. It's that simple. And that's what she's, she's, she can't grasp. Yeah. Uh, so in my head, I have done what you've done that, well, I, you know, I, why, if, if me worrying, worrying, me worrying about it, it's not going to fix it. It's not going to fix the water heater. It's not going to put more money in the bank. It's, um, it's, it's you, I learned to control, I guess I could say my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Don't let them. Or maybe. Just, don't, don't let them just run. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So I tell everyone, I said it earlier, you don't get to choose how you feel. No one. Happy, sad, mad, angry. You didn't make those choices to feel that way. You may have put yourself in a situation Right, that provided that a comedy club, you know, a a, a baptism, a, a funeral. Right, you put yourself in a in a situation to have your emotions accessed by an outer thing, or maybe music, whatever. I say you get to choose how long you feel that way by embracing it or whatever. Um, thoughts. I think about this a lot, and that's why I brought it. I wanted to bring it up. You, you go back and say, don't worry. And I say it all the time. There's no value in worrying. I realize, oh, shit, there's literally no value in worrying. It's the most waste. It's the most wasteful, time-consuming, energy-zapping, depression-creating, anxiety-generating concept, idea, whatever you want to call worrying. And worrying is problems and ideas or whatever, possibilities I think a lot of times it's, it's it, okay, so it's complicated. What, what, why are you worrying is the question. Like, what, what is unresolved? What unresolved issue do you have in life that's generating this worry? Or are you, oh, the hell, let's still we'll go back to that tent. I'm going to give me a damn dog. Hey, hold on one second. Journey. Shh. What unresolved issues do you have? You know, um, but a lot of it, like it could be relationship worry. That's probably the, the, the one that kills the most people physically and figuratively. You know, the one that kills the most people would be relationship worry. But what it comes to my thing. The way I see worrying well, I is. I want to say how you turn it off. That's, well, okay. So here's how I see worrying it's a why. Yeah. You know, if we go this way, what may happen? It's a why, not the it, word why. Yeah. Okay. You, if you go to the right, you know what? may happen you go to the left you know what may happen so you always got two things the good and the bad mm-hmm. so you worry because you don't know which way that mm-hmm. whether it's a relationship anything you worry because you don't know which way you're gonna go if you make a if mm-hmm. you go to the right did you make the right decision mm-hmm. if you go to the left did you make the right decision either you way know, it's no, it, no either value way, either, either way now if it's totally out of your control then what's the whole, you're just wasting your you just wasting emotions feelings for nothing yeah and it literally it, uh, the type of energy we're talking about wasting can be physically 
the most exhausting thing ever. The brain uses up so much resources. Like it's a it's a fucking machine. People just don't realize that I think of the brain as like a CPU. Like it's the processor. And man, that bitch eats up a lot of energy. And um it, it can be physically exhausting and, and detrimental to your health. It is. Where I see a lot of but, people but worry you, so it's much. It's easy to say though, you shouldn't worry. But what's the trick? Well, I, I think if it's this. You should be worried. You should be focused on why you're worried about whatever it is, right? A bill that needs to be paid or a relationship issue. It doesn't really matter. It's a very broad spectrum. But I think the trick is, is I I don't know. So I'm not the one that chooses to worry. I don't go out and seek out these thoughts. These thoughts are presented to my consciousness, right? I guess it would be your subconscious is back there, this machine, this, this, this thing that's just cycling information, right? And it says, hey, how about this? Did you pay this bill? Like, shit, I didn't want to think about that, right? Uh, uh, is she cheating? Where's she at? Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Like all these what ifs were presented to your conscious thought. And, and so I still worry, but what I've gotten really good at is when I realize, oh, I'm in a, I call it a negative feedback loop. Technically, it'd be a positive feedback loop, but positive feedback loop is, you know, when you get a microphone, right, in front of a speaker and it goes, whoa, 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 what reverberation? I, I call it a negative feedback loop because there's no value in this fucking, this idea that's cycling in your brain and you just keep feeding it. But when I have one moment of clarity and I'll think, why am I thinking about this? Instead of going right back and thinking about it is when I say, no, go breathe. So I've just got my either change the channel. And the way I do that is by focusing on anything else. And the hardest thing I've ever learned to do is breathe. I had, you know, the celebrities and stars before you get on stage, I say, breathe. You don't understand why that's so effective. It's, it's effective because number one, if you actually breathe, I'm talking about all some Wim Hof breathing, <sighs> do it 30 times. All the way in, all the way out, count all 30. You'll probably lose track before you get to that 30. But the magic is, it takes so much effort because the mind can only focus on one thing at a time, even for all you ADHD people too. No, you don't You don't think about four things and 12 things. You think about one thing. You hyper-focus on it, but you may go from this thing to that thing really quickly. You can spot ideas and thoughts. So when, once I catch myself in that negative feedback loop, and I'm telling you, man, I've been in some serious ones that make, you know, your heart just feel like my whole chest is caving in because I can't get this cycle. It's this cycle in my mind. And um, if I can get one moment of clarity to realize I'm actually doing it, then I back away and I try to breathe 30 crazy hard breaths. And within seconds, it's it didn't even exist. That that You forget what the hell you was just thinking about. And your body just feels amazing. It's the And so that's how I've learned... And I've never been a worrier, but a lot of things in my life have happened as an adult to where I catch myself in these moments. And uh, man, breathing techniques was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's been the most beneficial thing to get me back on what was important and to, to allow me to actually process information again. Because as long as I'm stuck in my negative feedback loop of worry, I can't be productive in any way. I can't focus on what needs to be done. Because I've got this bullshit story playing out in my head. You know, we're, we've got these movies that play in our head. You know what I mean? They're videos. They're fake. They're, they're created by your ego. And it's, it's this, um, it's amazing what our mind can generate and tell us this possibility. We can tell this whole story. And it can be very unproductive. 
It can be very productive if you're thinking about it in a creative sense. You're fantasizing about vacation because the best part's dreaming about where you're going. The best part is like the idea of going there. But once you get there, you're like, you're always underwhelmed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that's really my secret is, um, and I mean, that would apply to relationships. Like, because we always make the wrong decisions when we're desperate and we're in that negative feedback loop. Anybody that's desperate to get their mate back, right? Or they always make the wrong choice because their ego has trapped their brain and they do these desperate things and they reach out and say, please. Right. And that's very unattractive. And, uh, so it's breaking that cycle saying, Oh shit, I'm, you know, I'm stuck. I got to get the fuck out of this. It's yeah, hard. I mean, it's, it's just placing your head in a circle yeah. and you get the same outcome every time. Yeah. You so, make a lot of bad but, choices, but you're right. If you step back just a little bit, take a find deep a breath. trick. Find a trick. Everybody to, has, everybody's different. I everybody say take 30 run. deep breaths. Try to. It's I'll not try, easy. I'll try that next time. I'll if you can catch yourself doing it, um, you know, you catch yourself in a negative, that's why I call it a negative feedback loop. It's this loop. If you, if, like, I don't choose when that happens to me. Um, but when I catch it happening, I really practice. And it takes practice. Shit tons of practice. Years. And I'm still trying to master this. You know, I think that's why the idea of stoicism is so effective. Like I need to study it more, but the um, I, I practice being stoic, and that's just um, being unemotional is the way I would describe it. But the way they practice, the greatest w leaders of all time, Alexander the Great, they practice this where they would kind of plan. They wake up in the morning, they think of every possible thing that could go wrong, and they try to live it. They try to put themselves in that negative feedback loop rather than it happening later in the day. So it's really they try to think as negative as possible, consciously think as negative as possible early in the day, and it kind of emotionally and physically prepares them to go into battle in life. Um, I've never tried that. I've never practiced that, and I'm I'm probably just botching it. I mean, this is a very complicated idea. It's almost like a religion, really. Um, so I probably didn't justify what stoicism is, but that's kind of the basic concept that I took from it. Um, and it probably works great. I just never tried it. I just tried to, I, I tried to, when I realized I felt something, any kind of emotion, I practiced not reacting. I, I do my best to respond, but not react because the reaction isn't ever really that good, you know. Reaction is going to create a bigger problem than yeah. what you had. And, and it doesn't matter what the action was generated from. What 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 the emotion? Happy, sad, mad, angry. I say those emotions. All of them are amazing. They they're what generate desire in us, and they they save us and protect us, and they they kind of point us in the right direction. But we need to say, hold on, let me think, and just calm down a little bit. Don't get too excited. Don't buy that car just yet. That salesman is trained to play on your emotions. That's what you're doing. You're being sold. Anytime you feel something in life, back up. Just don't make any commitments as long as I feel something. And if it takes me an hour or a month, as long as I feel something, I'm not going to make a commitment. I might make a decision, which I would call that a reaction. I'm making a decision to remove myself from the, from the situation. That would be a response. Or I don't want to talk right now is a response, right? Not a reaction. A reaction is, I don't want to fucking talk. That's a reaction, right? So um, we want to de-escalate the emotion 
not escalate it. And I think that, if we can practice that, that's a high level of self-respect. That's a level of respecting yourself enough to have control over your actions, not control over your emotions. You're naive if you think you can control your emotions. I keep saying, you know, we don't get to choose how we feel. We get to choose how, we, how long we feel that way or how we act or whether or not we react. And so that's what I really focus on is like, okay, I feel like punching this mother in the mouth, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to be like, and so what I've learned is I feel less and less emotions. I, over the years now of practicing, I, it's really hard to get me upset. Really, really difficult to piss me off. I, I still get my feelings hurt. And I still get annoyed. I mean, I'm not immune to my emotions. I'm just affected less and less. And um, I realized that's, I'm getting a very high level of self-respect. I'm respecting my value enough to not give any attention to nonsense. It's like, all right, good luck. I just, good luck. I'm going with my life because there's no value in worrying about nonsense. Anyways, it's a, it takes practice. You gotta, you'll spend the rest of your life getting good at it. And that's where I talk about a lot about um, working on being a better version of you. That's what I'm talking about. Being less and less affected by other people's actions on you. And, and, and actually, the truth is just being less and less of a slave to your own emotions. I'm not saying be emotionless. Emotions are powerful and important. But logic and emotion... Do not exist together. They, they, they can't take up the same space. You have to let the emotions come down, which is I feel something, and then you can have a logical conversation with yourself or someone else. What do you think about that? My, my thing is to control my reaction. That's what, exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. That, that's the hardest part. Yeah, you don't get to choose how you feel. You get to choose how you act or yeah. react. Because I don't think, I guess growing up, Parents, mm -hmm. teachers told you kind of react, but as you're growing up, you well, they teach us because they they that's what they do. No, Our parents reacted, up, yeah. But as teachers growing reacted. up, you the people that we respected in life the most were the ones that were less influenced by my nonsense. Like they they just looked at me like, right? They didn't get upset and angry, and you know what I mean. They were very stoic in a way. They they just were very powerful with their own emotions. To be able to seemingly control your emotions is a very, it's, it's intimidating because people are so emotional. And, um, and I think there's a time to show emotion, you know, but not make conscious decisions on those emotions. You I just, know, it's I just practice. the hard way of making decisions when you have emotions and you pay everything I've ever yeah. bought, <laughs> everything I've ever bought that, that I bought, what do they call it? Impulse buying. When you walk up to a register, that counter is full of things called impulse. Impulse is for impulsive buying. It's to play tricks. It's why the, it's why they put the lottery gambling stuff right in, right in your face when you go to pay for it. It's all there for science. And, and if anyone is trying to sell you something, right, they have more to gain than you do. If anyone tries to guilt you into something for any reason, if they try to make you feel negative or happy or sad, run. Run. I don't give a fuck if it's, I'm talking about my kids trying to talk me into something or my best friend or my wife or business partner. If they try to pressure me into anything and evoke some kind of emotion, if they're anything other than, well, this is what I think. If you're interested, let me know. If that's not who you are, I run. 
because you have more to gain than I do. You're here to take, you know? Yep. So it, it, I think it's funny when I see people get conned. I'm not, I'm not upset at the con, man. I'm not upset at anybody. If I get conned, that's my fault. That was an opportunity to say, oh, it was my greed that got me, you know? I let my ego convince I knew better. My gut said no. Listen to your fucking gut. Your gut is telling you everything. It's making you feel something. Matter of fact, your gut is so far superior to your conscious thought. We are, we're like mud. We're so, ugh. we can't process information the way our body can. And it just, that instinct knows. And it's been measured to be, you got to trust your instinct. You feel something, run. Don't matter if you're talking about relationships, buying a car, buying a house. Buying if, a timeshare. Especially yeah. that. Yeah. That's what got me. Yeah. Oh. I like using the timeshare as, a, as, a, as, as, that, as the um, don't trust your emotions because, you know, even because they play on your time. They play on your emotions. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking art, to be honest with you. I mean, even people that are motivational speakers, you know, people tell me I don't do any motivating speaking, but, you know, and I don't get too excited on here. But, boy, when I get fucking fired up, and I get passionate about something. People are like, oh, you should be a motivational speaker. and Because uh, I am very passionate. I get excited. My blood pressure goes up. And it excites a room. You know, it's just, it's exciting to be around someone that is excited and passionate about life. But it's also a dangerous thing. So um, I wouldn't want to be a motivational speaker. I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not convinced that it's actually good. It gives people moments of this heightened sense of, um, maybe it can save you from killing yourself one time or, you know, maybe it can get you on the right track. But I'm not certain that if you have to keep listening to motivational things, something else is going on in your life, you know. So I'm not convinced that these people are even healthy. I don't know. I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. I'm saying I don't know. So anytime you have to play on emotions to get something, mm, I kind of get nervous. I'm a little leery. So let's go back to controlling worrying. Yeah. So we've been controlling worry. How can mm -hmm. we control? I don't we, 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 we talked about you taking deep breath. Mm -hmm. Smack um, yourself in the face. Whatever. Focus. It's, it, re it requires, it requires focus. And I think it would be focusing on something, not another thought, right? Because that thought slips away and you're right back in it again. You know, when I had a hard time sleeping, it's going through a lot. And, um, well, I'd practice my breathing and, and I'd get, I'd break out of it. And then I'd try to think about something beautiful or interesting. And before I knew it, I'm realizing, oh shit, I'm back in that thought again. You know, it's a very tricky thing. It's very sneaky. Um, but then you have to break it again. And I remember I went to YouTube and was listening to, uh, these, uh, is it where you get hypnotized? I'm not really someone that could be hypnotized easily. I don't, I don't think that will work on me. I, think, I don't even know how it works. I think you would have to want to be hypnotized. I think you would have to surrender to it. And I don't, I don't believe for one second it's the type where you could make them do crazy shit on stages. I think it's, um, I think music can be hypnotizing, right? And to, 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 to take you out of your thought process, right, and, and and maybe get you to dream or whatever. But I was listening to these hypnotizing videos on YouTube, and they were actually to help you sleep. And, man, there's some people out there with some incredible voices. Their voices are hypnotizing. Listen to the sound of my voice. <laughs> right? And, and But their voices were so seductive, and they had this incredible music behind it. And um, 
it, it's hard to describe. It's it's almost like a Pink Floyd song if you're willing to give it up. To uh, I was getting Brennan today. I was listening to. Um, I just wanted to distract myself today, and I was listening to uh, "Shine On You Crazy Diamond." I think is the name of the song, or "Shining Shining Diamond." "Shine On You Crazy" is like a 25 minute song, and the first 10 minutes is just the most unbelievable court. What would it be? Classical sound. Anyways, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I just kind of closed my eyes and drifted off. And it, I, you, it, it was almost like you were able to see things. You were able to see the music and colors and visualizing this orchestra. And then so I was so excited. I thought, man, I got to get my kids listening to Pink Floyd. I mean, this is some of the most life-changing music in my life. My dad was always playing Pink Floyd, so it just influenced me as a baby. Uh, I brought it down. I said, Brennan, listen to this music. Just, just close your eyes. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And, and try to listen to five minutes. And I, I shut the door, and I'm so excited. Oh, my kid's going to get he's 17, right? It just seems like he would be the perfect candidate to want to embrace Pink Floyd. And three, four minutes in, I see the chair moving, and I was like, hey, what do you think? He's like, um, kind of boring. I mean... <laughs> not really my thing and I thought oh it was so heartbreaking so I thought okay I'm just gonna have to start playing Pink Floyd albums all day long you walk in the house and it's gonna be just the wall and um, dark side of the moon and I, I anyways I, it was just the music I was I, I said all that to say that I think that that type of music well music is very meditative like if I'm pissed off I can ride around the back roads and listen to some angry music and and Boy, you can get a lot of energy out, you know. I I was stressed out the other day, and I found the most hardcore heavy metal I could find. And man, I, I come home and I was kind of exhausted, and but I knocked out my work. I was I couldn't do this project, but it helped, you know. That's why I say we don't get to choose how we feel; we choose how long we feel that way. And if I'm sad, I can. I got some playlists that'll keep you sad for days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know this. You got any happy music? Yeah. No, this is all I got. Well, and my my music is uh is like engineered to to mess with you. Like it's it's I I've I've love I got these playlists. You know, one's called Take the Long Way Home. I've been building it for years. And it's designed to make you emotional. I, I use it to help me create to to where I can feel something. Um and it's really hard to be creative if you don't feel. That's where feelings are so important. And so I got a playlist called Take the Long Way Home. If you hit play, and I'm always re-engineering it and messing with it, but I try to take you on a cycle, right? And 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 if you're if you're, I it's really kind of affected a lot of people, especially if you ever get to the state of mind that you can start embracing it. So you got to be ready for it when when you hit play. You're like somebody's got to be, you know, have a buzz. You know that helps or sad or whatever. But once you get into it, so it takes you up and it brings you down, right? And it makes you feel something, but then it brings you right back up. I'm happy again. So it's an emotional roller coaster. I try to, and I did it to manipulate my own emotions, to make me happy, to make me feel sad and somber, uh, but not necessarily sadness, but feel lost, make me feel lost, make me feel lonely. Um, but through that, the magic, my imagination would start to explode with possibilities and ideas. And that's when it would just, it would just prime my brain for, for creative thoughts. And man, it worked great. Oh, I remembered. I, I played it for you. You, you played it. Well, you didn't play that one. I think you played different tracks. I've got, I've got happier and, ones. One, one playlist called well, happy, but yeah. there's sad songs in there. So it's predominantly happy songs, but then there's a somber one. 
right? Just yeah. to, just because it's something. It's about manipulating emotion. That's when I've learned a lot about psychology and how how vulnerable human beings are to our emotions. We're slaves to our emotions, and it's really easy to take advantage of people. And I've understood the the the, the danger of messing with people. Like it's a, it's something you shouldn't take lightly. Uh, but basically, when I figured out I could manipulate my own emotions by creating a playlist, and I knew what it was going to do, it was kind of crazy to me when I realized how susceptible humans are. We're very, I don't want to call us weak, because we're beautiful things. Like, uh, it's where our power comes from is our weaknesses, you know? Um, but it's, it's about recognizing those things. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's amazing what you can tell someone and get away with. Right, it's just it's 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 unbelievable, the things you can say, and get away with it. It's it's absolutely mind blowing. Like like what? Um, Give me an example. Like, like I could tell you, um, I could tell you that I would I could I would want to I say I wanted to manipulate you in a way to. Um, uh, I don't know if it would work on you so much because we're not like married or, you know, we're not together every day, but you could say things like, well, um, I'm, I'm going to ignore you because, uh, you know, I'm, I have nothing emotion. I have no, I will, I am not willing to invest any, um, emotion in you at all. Right. I have nothing to offer you physically, emotionally, nothing. And it could be because I'm unhappy with your, the way you're acting, and, and, and basically, you know, what people do is, this is what people do. When I'm hurt, I withdraw, right? I, re- I, I withdraw my emotion from you. If you've hurt me, I restrict, I restrict you from um, my happiness, right? I withdraw that. I want to pull that away, and I become distant, right? That's what everybody does in every relationship. That's your first go-to. That's the thing that protects you. But you could tell them you've hurt me. And I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing nice to say. I have nothing to say at all, matter of fact. Matter of fact, don't say anything mean because it's very... That, as long as I'm mad and yelling at you, you know I still care, right? There's no... Like, like as long as somebody's yelling at you, you're fine. You got nothing to worry about. But the moment they look at you and say, nope, I'm done, is the moment you oh, shit, right? So it's really easy to trick somebody so, and then spend an hour being distant. Don't be mean. That's weak. That, like, as long as you're being mean, you're, you're losing. No, respecting yourself enough to say, I have nothing to give you. It is fucked up how weak humans are that when we can't have something, we you will do anything. Uh, it's fucked up because it's almost like um, that's where we're kind of shallow. When, when, when we were just told that they're going to ignore us. So I know that logically. But now I feel... Like now, I feel something. I feel rejection, right? And I didn't choose that. My body chose that for me. It's wild how easy it is to manipulate somebody. It's it's fascinating, and and you could tell them I'm I'm about to manipulate you. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a couple hours, and they they start saying, "Come on now, quit playing." You know, it's really wild. Like, and I'm not saying I play that. I do that on people. I'm saying it happens every fucking day and in all kinds of conversations i just started realizing the patterns and i started realizing oh you can actually tell someone you're going to withdraw right and cut them off sexually it's like well you know i'm not giving you anything else the moment you say that 
they want it. I mean, it could be an hour, it could be a day, a week, whatever, but it works really, really, it doesn't take that long. Usually hours. It's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if we want to get into all the secrets of manipulating people, but <laughs> that's what we're doing we anyways. That's what all humans are doing. You, you don't do anything for someone else. You're, you're doing it for yourself. You just haven't admitted it or, or at least you haven't realized it yet. You're doing it for, um, to manipulate. It's what do you do when you make dough? You manipulate the dough. Right, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You're turning it into something new—a pizza, bread. So the word "manipulate" has a negative um, connotation, a negative, um, negative, whatever. You know, it's a, it's a we, negative we, word. It, yeah, it sounds negative, but the reality is um, that's what's happening. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, I do for you in the hopes that you do for me. Period, and that's it. And I think that's okay. I think it's important. It's what's made the world go round. It's okay. I just think it's really cool if you understand it and you understand why you're doing the things you are because you hope, we, I'd say this all the time, we love to be loved. I'm not saying, oh, we love to love. You know, we love to be loved. No, that's the reason why we love, in the hopes that we are loved. But then you see people in these relationships that spend all their time giving, 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 and never receiving that, they finally get fed up and go on, you know? Does that make well, sense? Yeah. I mean, a relationship is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. Yeah, but the secret is, as soon as you don't feel that reciprocated, okay, see ya. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, there's two reasons why we do anything. Two reasons. Validational and transactional. Do you know the difference? To, to validate and to... to, be, to well, we do everything to feel validation. Like, we do nice things in the hopes that you smile. And you appreciate it. Therefore, I feel validated. But if, it, let's say I'm helping you on your Jeep right now. Let's say I give you a bill at the end of it. Do you think I'm going to feel validation? No, that's transactional. And there's no emotional. So, so when it comes to validational, we're, we're, I think that we are exchanging emotions. Mm -hmm. That's how we're paying for it. Um, and if I, if I, so if, if, I, if I help you on your Jeep and I give you a bill at the end of the day, there's no emotional transaction. Yeah, correct. Right? It's a, it's, a, it's a financial transaction, so I feel nothing. If I give you a good deal, then you could feel valid. You know, you, you could feel good. So let's like this. If I come over and mow your grass and I don't charge you, you're like, wow, man, thank you so much. That's validational. If I come over and mow your grass and charge you, that's transactional. No one felt anything. There was no emotional transaction. We go about our day, and that's fine too. But in a relationship, things should not be transactional. Like, honey, I'll mow the grass if you'll do this. Or, honey, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wash the dishes 14 times. And, and I see these marriages and relationships where people are keeping score, right, to, to, to get sexual favors. And I think that's all transactional. You might as well just be paying for prostitution. I mean, that's all you're doing. Um, if you're, if you're, and there's nothing taboo about sexual favors. Like, it's just marriage and it's life and it's love. And if people are embarrassed about it, well, this definitely ain't the place for them. But, and I'm not going to get graphic, but um, if it's transactional well, in any way, that's, that's not something's well, really lacking also, in the relationship. Like, you should be doing it to make someone feel good, right? Yeah. I mean, you should also, yeah. Because you're hoping, do it, you're hoping do it that, to feel good without, yeah, but, but you're payment regardless. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that's the secret. That's the manipulation. See, if you just do it with no expectation, right? Whatever the sexual favor is, massage, foot rub, whatever, you do it, do it again. 
You don't get nothing back. Fuck off. Quit doing it. <laughs> right? Matter of fact, withdraw all your sexual attention. Right? They get nothing but non-sexual attention after that. You know, you got to withdraw. Well, that sometimes our expectations fails us too. So well, you, you we should have no expectations ever. Correct. If you go in, we have no mm-hmm. expectations, you're good. Well, expectations are setting you up for disappointment every Correct. time. Yeah. And because I have told that. Uh, I, expectations is what causes resentment, right? Because when I expect something, I might guilt you in to doing it for me. I did it for you three times, right? It's time I get some repayment. You should do it for me. I'll do it because you guilted me, but now I will resent you for it because I felt you were weak. Consciously, this is not happening. Subconsciously, my instinct is saying something's off. And over time, it will diminish the friendship, relationship, partnership, (laughs) the ships. Jump ship. Don't be afraid to jump ship. Um, If somebody doesn't want to do it for you, you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You know, and, 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 and I believe that with my whole heart, you don't deserve it because you're weak and you stay when you should jump ship. Well, see ya. See you next week. So restrict, withdraw your attention, right? Withdraw your attention from them and make them earn it. That's why I'm saying you could easily say, well, I'm not mad. You just don't feel the same way about me that I feel about you. And that's my fault. It's my fault because maybe I don't have enough self-respect to walk out the door, not in anger, but because people need space. You know, sometimes people need a little distance. It's really important that if someone is distant from you, that you you generate more distance. Obviously, if they went distant from you, don't close the gap. Have enough self-respect for yourself to say, no, they need some time, right? But what we do is we get desperate because we have a lack of self-respect and we go say, what's wrong? Is there anything I can do? Why are you acting like this? Well, that's weakness. That's desperation. And it's very hard to be sexually attracted or emotionally attracted at all to someone that is bugging you when all you want is an hour of quiet time, right? And it probably had nothing to do with you. But because you have such a lack of self-respect that you can't just leave them alone. Maybe maybe it's their mom. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's uh, something personal. You know, maybe it's something from their past. And because we're so desperate, we can't just let them have time. So what we do is the mo- every time we try to close that gap, they get further away. And you become more desperate, they get further away. And that's what we do wrong every time. And I always say it's a lack of self-respect, that you can't just let somebody be. And so what happens is you keep doing that over and over. Over time, you guilt people into things over and over. You keep getting your way. You keep getting her back or she keeps getting you back because you guilt each other. Well, that builds up a tremendous amount of resentment. And when the resentment gets so high, it's hard to feel anything for anyone. You only stay because you're scared, because you're scared of them finding someone new or you're scared that you won't find someone new. It's the same reason we don't quit jobs because we're nervous. We fear the future. And it's just a tremendous lack of self-respect. But man, it's really easy to fix these relationships, all of them. If you can just, matter of fact, if somebody gets distant, trick yourself and say, double the distance. (laughs) Don't be mean because that's desperate. Don't be rude. That's desperate. I don't want to be around you. That's your fault. Right? We go through life telling our kids, 
honey, they don't want to, they don't want to be with you. That's on them. No, bitch, that's on your kid. Because he, why is he or she trying to be involved in a group that doesn't want them? Why not have enough self-respect to we say, always want what we can't have. Yeah, but we also teach our children that it's not our fault. We, we, we teach our children to blame other people for not accepting us. But maybe we're not a good fit. But by, by, being, by being upset by, because someone doesn't accept you in life is the most desperate action, in my opinion. And look, by the way, these are all my opinions. I'm not saying this is fact. These are things that I've discovered for myself. But I see it as what's actually happening. And then I was like, oh, shit. We're... We have a lack of self-respect. So these are my philosophies that I've discovered, but I see that's what's happening. And I realized, oh, it's really easy to correct it. If somebody doesn't want to be around you, don't try to put yourself in there. Give, why would you want to be involved with somebody? Like how desperate are you as a person that you can't find someone else to hang out with, that you, you seek their attention, right? And, but what is attractive is being independent and being, having a high degree of self-respect is very attractive. Emotionally, physically, we are drawn to people that don't need us. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is the most attractive thing in the world, is people that don't need us. So if you're ever finding yourself in a situation to where a friend, spouse, needs a little space, be respectful to yourself. Give it to them. Don't guilt them by saying, fine. Right? You're, you're, that's, that's a bitch. Right? That's reacting. Respond by saying, okay, yeah, that's fine. No, I understand. We all you know, have our moments. Just holler at me if you need me. That's exactly what I do. It's that uh, simple. Uh, yeah. You okay? Because the next thing good? is, the moment you start acting a little distance, they say, oh, where'd he go? Where'd she go? <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. A lot of times, we just need our own little space for five, ten minutes. Whatever Everybody, male and female. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's uh, So I learned to that. I figured... If there's really something going on, it doesn't matter what you need. You're going to mm -hmm. tell me. Yeah. So and, if I haven't seen you in a while, Nathan, you okay? And if they don't, that's okay, too. Yeah. They don't tell you. This is the thing, though. I don't think that you're not supposed to feel these things. I keep saying what we feel is out of our control, but how we react to it or what the, our actions afterwards is in our control. So if I feel a little nervous, like, where's she at? What's she doing? I'm going to text her. But I think, but I think it goes back to worrying. Well, it goes back to worrying because of lack of self-respect and that cycle. Actually, okay, so like, you're right, you're right. See, this is a really good, this is the tricks, where the tricks come in. I mean, obviously there's an imbalance. If you're having this worry over something as insignificant as your spouse or friend or whatever, not calling you back on time, something imbalanced in your life. You know, something else is going on. And maybe it's just a lack of self-respect. That may be the imbalance, which means you don't have enough going on in your life. You don't understand your own value. You don't know what you're providing to the relationship. Um, and that's on you, not them. It's not their responsibility to fix your life. Um, but I, I guess I, you were just saying something that triggered something in me that I was wanting to say. Um, anyways, I'm sorry. What was you saying? No, I was just saying that it goes back to having confidence to yourself enough mm -hmm. to... You got me now. I'm back. You know, confident enough for you to go... Honey, you okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm fine. Maybe okay. not even. Maybe not even ask. You I mean, have to, uh, but I understand. I mean, yeah, except whatever the answer. Our relationship is different. Yeah, it's okay. Because if you, because you learn your wife, your girlfriend, your partner, whatever it is, you you learn mm -hmm. how their attitude act. Yep. You know when there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. 
And my thing is, I go, Web, you okay? Everything good? She goes, yeah, I'm fine. All right. Um, I'm going to go watch to be in the living room if you need me. Okay. But but uh, be honest. I mean, how many times did you feel insecure? You know? I mean, I feel insecure. It happens not regularly, but it's happened to me like, oh, maybe she's getting bored with me. I mean, that ain't the question I ask, uh, but that's like this instinct. I'm not saying that happens to me. I'm saying I think it happens to everyone at some point, maybe the relationship's on fire right now, but there's been moments in every relationship that you're uncertain, right? You're uncertain. You're not sure. And those are the moments where it's critical, right? It, it, if you're finding yourself in that negative feedback loop, right, and you're feeling a little desperate, those are the moments you really need to double the distance, right? Those are the moments, you know? I don't get, to, I, I don't get those thoughts. What I get is... Oh, have you the- ever had them? In life, you've never felt I, I weak, mean, yes, desperate. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, but like never. I'm, I'm just saying recently. Yeah, everybody uncertain, has. unsure. Mine is usually what did I do wrong? Or really? What, That's, what did I mess up? Hmm, I got I got to process that. What did I do wrong? That is a very narcissistic statement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like in well, a relationship, maybe it's not, but it could be. <laughs> yeah, it, that almost feels like you are the center of everyone's universe, yeah. and if, it's no. like it's why children uh, feel responsible for parents getting divorced because they're so narcissistic that they think they were the reason why. Yeah. You know, but you know, and, you know, as somebody said the other day, it's like uh, even what time? What times the sun go down? When I go to bed, you know, in their mind, they think the sun goes down because in a child's mind, because yeah. they went to bed. Very narcissistic way to think. To think you're that important is what I'm trying now, to say about narcissism. Yeah, I, I just think of, I'm just speaking for I know what you're saying. I'm, like, did I did something wrong? Yeah, if I you didn't, think, I'm I good. Think, yeah, I think about it for 30 seconds. Nope, I'm good. I it's, think what I'm trying to talk about is the things where people are losing their um, foothold in a relationship where they're desperate and they're trying to hang on to their husband or their wife, or even their child, or, you know, it's desperate people push people away because it's very unattractive. And when I mean attractive, I ain't saying sexually. I'm saying emotionally. It's hard to be around people that are needy, clingy, desperate motherfuckers. Look, man, you got something going on in your life. You need to go fix that shit because I can't see you any other way than weak, right? And I don't, I'm not consciously thinking that. It's just that emotion while you feel repelled. Like you, you're feeling repelled. Well, there's a reason. It's because you're being sought after like we don't like desperate people or i i can say this confident people don't like to be around desperate people if you if you like to hold people down around you you're a very desperate person also if you're happy you don't want to be in, around negative people yeah so it's i think that's the big one i think that's where people overlook if you're the type that brings people down around you in any kind of way emotionally physically you're a very desperate weak, beta-minded person. You take more in life than you produce. You, you're a consumer. And you're really bad for this whole ecosystem we call humanity and civilization. Um, if you're not trying to literally encourage people, yeah, I know, go ahead. That's fine. Good luck. I wish you well. Mwah. You know? Then you're negative. It's, it's not good. You know? Anyways, that's what I think. I, I just think that confident people don't like weakness and confident people. I don't think, see, I talk about this. Uh, confident people are like, what is, what is, okay. The, what's the difference? I may have brought this up around you. What's the difference between cocky and confident? Yeah. You did bring that up. Cocky is, I want you to believe beta. Confident is, 
I believe, alpha, right? Now, I like to use beta and alpha in that term because people, I think the terminology has been misused. Or the, I, I don't even know if it's a term, it's an idea, a concept of, I think that's how you measure confidence is a good way to say it is beta alpha. It's cocky is I need you to believe and confident is no, I believe. I'm cool with that. Good luck. But we see, we say, oh, they're confident. No, no, that's cocky. It's, you know, it's real hard. Yeah. And if you're not confident, it may be hard for you to recognize the difference. My whole life, I thought I was a cocky dude, right? I was very cocky. And uh, looking back, oh, I was just very beta-minded. I was desperate for your attention. I was de desperate for you to see me. And uh, had very a very low self-worth, right? And uh, it's taken my whole life to kind of build that you know it's something you should practice for the rest of your life and if anybody thinks they're an alpha they're a fucking fool maybe you lean that way in certain things but you're not that way in everything you know you yeah i don't think we can be alpha at everything mm -mm. no you could be an alpha in the ring and a beta in the bed you know that happens more often I, than you know i think it goes back to being happy mm -hmm. being low we, we gotta have both to balance yeah uh, yeah 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 ourselves. that's a good point that's a good point yeah yeah I could say that. Yeah, balance. And I think the thing about alpha and beta is it's a state of mind. It's not who you are as a person. It's what you believe right now. And what you believe and how firmly you believe it is where you rank somewhere on that square scale of alpha, beta. And if you, if you lose yourself, right, and you're uncertain, I think you could measure uncertainty as leaning beta. I'm not sure. Right? It's a, not a very confident position to be in. It's a scary. You're very vulnerable, right? You're vulnerable to people's opinion, right? And your circumstances. Um, and man, you can lose it like that. You know, you can get dumped. <laughs> and you go from what? <laughs> you know, to oh shit. And then you gotta rebuild that shit. Your self-confidence, your self-worth, and it takes fucking time. Um, but it's just I, and I ain't saying I got it all figured out. I'm saying I'm trying to understand it. And that's why I like talking about this. Um it's fascinating to me, you know, to kind of understand what it is that makes me tick. Why do I do this? Why do I feel this way? And uh, my, yeah, there's a little bullshitting about it, but it's made me a happier person, much more complete. That's why I think I'm at the point that I'm not ready to die. Don't get me wrong. It'd be kind of suck. But if I, I was watching this movie, it was a terrible movie. But <laughs> what is it where they go underground, the core? They go in to save the earth and restart the uh, earth. And the I core. thought... It's called the core. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was growing up, I'd Yeah, you would want to do that because, you know, you're reckless when you're a kid and you don't think anything can kill you. Well, that's the difference. I was ignorant. I drove like a moron because I had this idea, I was taught that it's everything's in God's hand, right? Everything's in God's hand, and if he wills it, or whatever the speech yeah. was that they gave me. So I took it seriously. I was like, ah, if, if I'm going to die, it's not... It's going to happen. I ain't got nothing to do with it. So I had this false sense of reality that, oh, shit, it's all out of my hands. So I can do all this dumb stuff, and I have nothing to fear. And I literally convinced myself my recklessness came from a um, <laughs> from ignorance. I thought it was all in God's hands, right, and that I was only going to die when he decided to kill me. And then I started realizing, oh, shit, hold on. <laughs> it isn't. Everything is in God's hand. Yeah, but, but he also gave you a brain yeah, I know. for you to process. That's that's all that. that's that's the trade. And, and that's the thing we don't Well, they say nothing happens without God's um permission or whatever. And I say, 
I started thinking. Anyways, I went through life, and then I was like in a moment. I was like, "Oh shit! I don't think there's a god." Like you know, like I had these eight. You know, I was, yeah. you know, I would never share this with people because when I was younger, because I was, you know, to to think, um, like uh, to to question whether or not there's a god. Well, that's that's uh, forbidden, right? And uh, so you're not supposed to think about these things. Uh, and I was questioning things that just didn't make sense to me as a young child. Like all these things, these preachers and people was telling me, I started thinking, I think they're full of shit. Because when I'd ask a question, when I'd say, well, why? Well, I don't know. You just got to have faith. I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, I remember being young thinking, oh, okay. And I accepted that for a long time. But then I started growing up and I started thinking, faith is, faith is easy. Just to accept something and not question it is insane to me like it doesn't make any sense to me so i just started thinking well if there is a god he created this brain and this brain says why and i'm not going to feel guilty for questioning the things that you told me because somebody told you and somebody told them you're regurgitating some shit that somebody told you it's not necessarily something you believe you don't have a whole lot of conviction when you say it and that's what i think about conviction conviction is i believe Right? Not, I need you to believe. And that's powerful. And, uh, and a lot of people go through life believing, truly thinking they believe, but they're not willing to question it. Right? Well, no. Well, then I think you don't, you're lacking conviction if you're not willing to question the things that just don't quite make sense. You know, I remember reading Genesis of like 10 years ago, and I thought, none of this makes sense to me. <laughs> From a logical standpoint, none of this makes sense. Like, I cannot accept this. This is, from logical, from logic, it made absolutely no sense. But then I started researching um, dimethyltryptamine, DMT, psychedelics, and stuff, stuff like that. Not, not to try to do them, but I'm fascinated with. Um, so science, my friend said the other night, science is um, uh, uh, measuring repeatable phenomenon. And so, through science, I started researching, you know, the human body and death and all these experiences people had and cellular memory um, and these are fascinating topics each one we could stop and spend the rest of our life on but dimethyltryptamine is um is a is a is a, is a, is a it grows on i mean it's the shit that's on a, a poisonous frog right and they can wipe it on a glass and let it dry and they scrape it off and you can smoke it that's dmt or it's in a lot of plants produce dmt and the only way you can really consume it one of two ways is to inhale it or you can drink it by breaking it down a certain way, and then that's called a wasku, which is like this eight-hour high that these shaman did. Very, it was a very religious drug. The fascinating thing about it was everyone has the same experience to the degree to no one knows how to explain what they've seen. It's like interdimensional. Would be the and I've never done it. I only research these neuroscientists. I've researched so many people. These are not drugs that you would do for fun. People do. I'm, I would, it's for self-discovery. Mm -hmm. it, that's what you would do it for. And so these religious figures, it was a way for them to tap into another, to meet God, to talk to God, to access God. You know, there's a theory going out that, that Moses, uh, the burning bush, that area, supposedly the bark produces DMT. And so if he was next to a burning bush, he could have been high on DMT like a mother, right? And that's how he met God, read the Ten Commandments. And so... What I'm saying is, this has nothing to do with, well, maybe it does. Well, maybe I'll come back to it. But everyone's seen the same thing. They came back and tried to describe the same thing. The problem is, 
the human species does not have a vocabulary to articulate what they've seen. So they would describe it like, well, it'd be like an elf or an angel. And then I got, you know, I actually got to meet God, but God wasn't this thing. It was, it was, he, it, and they said it, he, it was like a male presence and it, it was, he was everything. It was a warm male masculine thing. Uh, and, and it was fascinating to me that all these different races experience the same thing. And then people in dying, they all describe the same thing. The light, being able to see the room, like, okay, look, this is measurable. Like, this is repeating phenomenon. And um, I started thinking about the Bible. Um, and then with the way they talk about mansions and streets of gold and the way Genesis was written, I thought, oh, shoot, man. This is written by, from man's experiences. What mankind knows, maybe man cannot articulate what heaven really looks like. So he described it as in, imagine streets of gold. Well, it's better than that. <laughs> right. So we think we're going to go to this other planet is what it's kind of like pitched to me, you know, growing up. It's like a, heaven's this cloud, three degrees, three levels above earth. And uh, it's this cloud and it's limited and, and uh, there's streets of gold. And it's like somebody got to peek behind the curtain and it was infinitely more complicated than a human's brain could ever come back and say, Okay, it's this. Like, there's no words to describe it. They describe it as if Jesus Christ walked in the room, and you're like, yeah, that's not even weird. Let me tell you what's really weird, right? Or like an alien spaceship landed in your front yard. That would seem as normal. Like, that is way more believable. Imagine that. An alien spaceship land in your front yard right now. If you could just think of the hypothetical. And then you come back and say, no, no, that's nothing. Let me tell you what it was really like. So that's when I started thinking about the Bible in a different way, and I started kind of getting faith back. And I started, I was thinking, oh, gosh, through science, I think I believe there's a God. But I don't think of him as this guy sitting on a golden throne and pointing and telling, and you know what I mean? I don't think of it that way. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, I, think, I think that if any one religion is right, we're all screwed. Um, but what's fascinating is all the religions— kind of worship the same thing. You Like, if you really think about it, then mankind comes inside and really messes up a good thing, he manipulates <laughs> for his own good. You know, Joseph, the, what was the, 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 the I don't want to offend any religion, so I don't want to say anything. But, you know, there's a lot of religions that were very manipulated to, to uh, but that's a main thing. I think of uh, God as this, uh, you know, I think, anyways, it gave me hope that there is a better, there's an afterlife. Um, and everything would be connected, and I see it all as possible energy. And I'm not saying I got it all figured out, and I'm kind of skimming the surface because I didn't mean to go down this path. I didn't want to talk about this. If I did, it would be dedicated to a whole thing. But I can tell you this. It brought me back to being okay with dying. And, I, you know, it, it makes me feel like that would be a way better experience. <laughs> but I haven't done DMT. I've never done any drugs in my life. But someday I imagine that I'm going to try DMT. Um, but I'm nervous. I, I like who I am right now. And you don't come back as the same person. You, you, as a matter of fact, they call it the ego killer. Like people, it's, 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 it changes your life forever. If you do it for the right reasons, if you're doing it to get high, you're making a mistake. But imagine thinking you get to meet God in some level, you know, but then it, all of it, oh God, I got to shut up. Because what you're realizing is it's, it's actually in your mind. And it started telling me, we have a hive mind. We just don't realize it. Like we're all connected. All this information is downloaded from, that's what the purpose of, I was trying to imagine the purpose of why we do all the things we do. 
It's all, I don't want to get into it. No, no, that's a whole nother thing. So my formula is why, what, and how. And uh, the why, I kept going with it for years. And uh, it, it's actually what brought me back to, oh, shit, there's a God. You know, and it, I got really excited about it. So see, look, all the conversation, we had nothing to talk about. Oh, I know. I know. Look what we got. So now we can put, we can talk about, this drug that you're talking about, mm -hmm. we can also. By the way, supposedly we produce DMT in our liver, and it may be that thing that 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 center eye. What do they call that middle eye? Thing? It may be the thing that dreams and like vision, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It may be something on that. But oh, by the way, DMT trips only supposedly last like ten minutes if you actually do it. But then a wasku that lasts like eight hours. That's where these shaman, these shaman, and you're awake. You're awake when you do it, but everybody sees the same thing. How do you explain that? How does everybody see the exact same thing? Like, it, it told me, I don't believe it's bullshit because it's repeatable phenomenon. It's science at this point. It's been documented too many times, and that's why I started researching about this doctor um, that, that's been documenting deaths, and he's discovered, someone's discovered that the human brain, it takes days and possibly weeks for the human brain to actually shut down. Um, people, plenty of people have died on the table for 10 minutes, but the brain's still going. The body's dead, but the brain is still, thought's still happening, and they see themselves, and they have, they hear the whole conversation. It's fascinating stuff that's going on, but anyways, there's a lot, lot he's been documenting all these cases, and, and this doctor, a lot of people believe that there's an afterlife, but there's a lot of really cool studies going on that science is, you know, kind of proving. I think that science, the beauty of science, it kind of proves religion in a lot of ways and i'm not a religious person i don't really believe in any kind of man-made religion you know uh, i believe in the ten commandments ain't that enough <laughs> you know what i'm saying everybody's created all these damn rules i was told i couldn't go to movie theaters and wear shorts and all this other stuff and i thought man he he went so far as documenting these 10 rules and a piece of stone thou shall not do these 10 things the, other, the rest is man-made Shut up. <laughs> do, do, do those rules apply to these 10? No, shut up. I think if you follow those 10 rules, you're doing, it's just a guide to do the right thing. And I don't give a shit if you're religious or not. Those are beautiful rules, and every society has basically accepted those. Wouldn't you agree? 10 rules that, even those 10 rules, we can't follow all 10 rules. Hell no. We then, fail at some point to follow those ten. Just those ten rules. I don't know which ten were. Thou shalt not lie. Maybe that's an easy one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a pretty. I see them as guardrails on the interstate. Like you shouldn't go past them, but sometimes we do. You know what I mean? Sometimes we we get over them. But hey, it's it's like a light but to kind of get you back the, on track. They won't pay the consequences yeah. afterwards, though. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I, th I don't see any reason that those 10 rules should ever be broken unless it is to protect life, human life. You know what I mean? Would you lie to protect your son? You know what I mean? In a, in a Holocaust situation, yes, you would lie. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. No, I don't have children. <laughs> right? So we got to be, there's some hypotheticals out there. But under normal everyday circumstance, circumstances, no, no reason to ever break any one of them. Unless you're breaking into my house, and that's not, a, uh, you're going to get dead. <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, now, now we're bending the rules. Yeah. Well, no, it's not bending the rules. I think that's. I think maybe that's. Uh, maybe there could have come. The Ten Commandments should have come with a stipulation, unless it's unusual circumstances, unless you're a victim of an unusual circumstance, right? Which would be anything other than an ordinary. Okay. When when another human being has um, when another human being has um, manipulated your free will. Like if they're trying to take advantage, you know, I always think about that. Humans have free will. Well, what about the free, what about the people that took away the murderers? And I think of these little kids and, you know, I don't want to get into those. I think about these little kids that horrible people do things to. And I really had a hard time accepting a God that could let these horrifying things happen. And um, that's when I started to realize, oh no, we're, we're on our own. I should be grateful that, well, that, that, that God created all this. Let's say there is a God. I'm going to say, yes, there's a God. And I sh- I'm just happy that he gave us an opportunity to even exist in all this. And I would rather believe in a God that doesn't, get to, that doesn't, take, that doesn't pick and choose. He just allows. Hey, you're on your own, right? Uh, you know what I mean? Because obviously the afterlife doesn't sound like a really bad thing, you know, from what I know of it. That's why I was thinking, talking about, you know, a DMT trip. <laughs> But I mean, we—I don't know if I want to go into that because I have a hard time. I get really emotional when I start naming off these names of these kids that I've researched and the horrifying things that that these other human beings did to this innocent life. And uh, and I say, you know, we we turn the channel. That's what people do. We go in denial and we flip the channel every time we see this little Somalian kid with a fly coming out of his nose and his stomach's that big and his arms that big around. We click the channel. <laughs> Send in your dollar, right? You justify it. It's funny how we can um, make these things act as if they don't. I mean, living in America, golly, man. We're blessed. <sighs> we're very I mean, blessed. we're blessed just anybody to be alive, but any first world country, like, I don't want to hear nobody tell me how I should be living until you've given up everything you've got. You know what I mean? You give up everything you got, I'm going to sit and listen. You you give up everything to go, you know, there's so many virtuistic people out there, virtue signaling, telling me how I should be living. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they want me to respect their, um, you know, their um, whatever it is they got going, you know. So, so whatever they found is interesting, like human right. I'm going to stand up for this because everybody's lost, man. Everybody's looking for something to, to believe in, a core value. And they're, they're against racism and they're against transgender and, and pronouns and all these things. And I think, man, shut up. You don't even make your damn bed. <laughs> you try to tell me and a whole planet I live. Like, you know what I'm saying? Look, you, you give up everything you got. You really believe, shut up and live it. And then I'm going to listen to you. You may win me over that way. You can't Leave change me. You can inspire me. You want to change someone, you inspire them. That's the only way. You, you can't talk someone into changing your spouse, your kid. Your, shut up. Less talking, more doing. Inspire me, motherfucker. You want me to believe? Go set yourself on fire. Right? You know, Richard Pryor was talking about the, uh, okay, there was this um, Buddhist, and he set himself on fire in the middle of the street. I'm fascinated by this guy. I remember seeing the footage. It happened uh, maybe in the 70s, 80s. It was 80s probably. And he was protesting. This, this, this Buddhist dude in a robe protested in the middle of the day and like at a four-lane intersection and poured gasoline on himself 
Not crazy. You know what I mean? That sounds crazy. But a normal human being that had no erratic behavior in his whole life, but he believed in something so much, he sacrificed his own life. Not with a gun, not with a pill, not with a rope. On fire. The only way you would not want to die, right? And they say sure. dying in a house fire is not bad at all because the smoke inhalation kills you or knocks you out. You never feel the fire. But bitch, I've been burned. <laughs> and it sucks. And this guy, this human being, believed in something so much. I wish I could look it up. I can't remember what it was. But he set himself on fire. You know, people talk about Jesus Christ sacrificing himself on a cross. And I don't think that was fun. But he was God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm sure he felt pain too. But he also had the insight to know that there really is a God. And his daddy was God. And what heaven really was. I'm saying here's a human that just thinks it exists. He believes it exists. He has no connection to the afterlife or, you know, heaven. He is just a man, a human being that poured gasoline on himself in defiance of the things that was happening around him to other human beings and lit a match. I was, wow. Like, I'm not interested in setting myself on fire, but like, hey, man, that guy, that's who we ought to be talking about. Like, that's pretty incredible. And what made him sit on fire? What, what I think was it that? was, um, it was a, he was against, uh, so there was some things going on with human rights. You know, he was basically a human rights activist is what I believe it was about. And uh, it, was, it was pretty fascinating. I, I learned about it through Richard Pryor because he set himself on fire. Matter of fact, that's why I did it. <laughs> I, I remember, so Richard Pryor was high on cocaine or whatever it was, you know, been smoking, whatever it is. I don't know what, it, what he was doing, but I think that's what happened. He's seen this dude set himself on fire so Richard Pryor was going to do the same thing lit himself on fire and went Dakota looked that up see if that's true set himself on fire like he was high though <laughs> you know what I mean but that's why I did it you know it, that's, that's actually how I know about it so then I studied up on it and I've forgotten it all now but like like shut up just shut up go set yourself on fire or do, dedicate your life to something you know I'm more I'm more willing to to listen to someone that has given up this way of life and sacrificed everything to go help someone. And and honestly, we kind of, we don't want to think about them too much because we start feeling guilty about ourselves. I'll send 50 bucks. You know, I'll put <laughs> money in the offering plate. It's like, um, who was it? The comedian, uh, Rodney. What's his name? Rodney. Funny as crap. But he goes, he goes every time you um, bring your wife something, he said, it's like a bag of guilt. Here's a bag of guilt. It's for all the shit I've done. And there's some extra stuff in here for all the stuff I'm going to do later on. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't remember. Is it Rodney something? He was hilarious. But yeah, here, like you said it. We didn't even know what we was going to talk about. We're just, we're on a rampage. We're in a rampage. How long have we been going? You're supposed to give me a, a timer, Dakota. Oh. Yeah, it's been an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Okay. We'll start wrapping yeah. up because we did three hours and 13 minutes. Well. What else uh, you got? That's all. I mean. I really like this conversation. Really, it's one and, of my favorite. From here, I really want to talk. I really would like next time maybe talk about science. Science, okay. We'll talk talk about, about science. Science. Talk about the Bible. What kind of science? Is you know everything? What we science. talked about science, science in the Bible. Of, what we talked about? Oh, how the science could um, prove. Uh, well, because I watched a lot of a lot of the shows. Me and my brother watched a lot of the shows. On YouTube, online, how science tries to figure out. This is the first time I heard that. Like, uh, 
measures Mo- repeatable Mo- phenomenon. Mo- Moses and the burning oh, bush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying people are saying no, 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 it's no. true. It's, it's, saying it's, it's possible. It's, it's, you hear so many things. Like yours is the first time I hear that. Yeah. Uh, but science tries. It, and that wasn't science. That was just, I was thinking, you know, when people started connecting all these religions back to DMT, like a lot of these religions got high. A lot of your shaman, these are religious people. We call them shaman because they get high, but honestly, they may be because it may have been more accepted. Correct. You know. You know? So, I, it's one of those things that I, I like to have a conversation and see other people's opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, uh, there's nothing wrong with questioning, you know, everything because all you're trying to do is learn. I'm always fascinated to see other people's opinion. The other thing we talked about was um, the why. The, the why's why is all that matters. The why. Yeah. I, I really you I can, know, why I, everything. I can, If you ever had a, if you're trying to fix this, fix that, especially relationship wise, that's really the main one that matters. Ultimately, everything we do in life is because of the why, the Steinberg Triangle, and it's um every choice we make. Ultimately, I could render back to that, and it's to be in a happy relationship. It really is. You don't. You may not realize it, but every choice you make in life is to be happy, and 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 being happy is is affection. It's being loved. It's gratitude. It's um. It's it's it's. it's it, but but, anyways, that's what we want. Um, that's the why. And then how do you do it? Well, I got that. What exactly do you need to do? I got that too. Here's the problem. None of those matter. How and what are pointless. I could tell you how to do anything, what you need to do and how you need to do it, but none of that matters unless you understand why you have this imbalance to begin with. Until you understand why this is happening to you, the why and the the what and the how don't matter. Like I could give you every trick, and that's why I've given so much advice, and I see people reading books and getting all, everybody's looking for the how. How do I need to do it? Well, what, am I, what am I doing wrong? How do I fix it? And here, this is what you're doing wrong. This is how you fix it. Okay, but it never works. It never registered. It never made sense. Um, once they understand why this imbalance, and that's what I call it, it's the root cause of every problem is an imbalance. And the question is an imbalance of what? Once you figure that out, that's the why. And then, and then that why could keep going. It could be childhood trauma. It could be, it could be a lot of things. But uh, ultimately, we diagnose symptoms, and we, we settle on symptoms constantly. I see it. It's in the politics, and that's why I'm so fascinated with politics. Um, I'm fascinated with the science of it. And I don't think that it's a man-made thing so much as um, just something that happens organically once a species, any sort of species, gets to a certain number, then it it has to have something to regulate that. And in our case, humans generated, it, it was just it was just something, I think we just gave it a name. It was a phenomenon. And we gave it a name, the name of politics. And I think that's just happens organically in all, I mean, down to lobsters. I mean, you can study lobsters. I started learning about lobsters through a book, 12 Rules of Life from Jordan Peterson. And you start understanding, oh, no, this is not man-made. This is a phenomenon that happens in life. It's evolution created these, or God, or whatever. Um, And it's pretty interesting. And if you look back, I look at politics now, and I'm like, I don't have a side anymore because I understand the importance of both sides. And, and I see the farther someone goes to the right, to balance that out, the left goes just as far, or vice versa, right? But eventually, that will collapse, and we will start over back at the middle, and we'll start talking again. Once a cat- catastrophic event happens, a tsunami, a 9-11, 
or a, a, a virus, right? Um, but the virus hasn't been catastrophic. The media sells it as if it has been catastrophic, but as far as history goes, no, it's really unproductive. And if people say, oh, this is a man-made virus, well, they suck because <laughs> it's not been very effective at all. The only thing that's been effective is the fear that it's invoked into people. And I'm not saying people aren't susceptible to it. I'm saying that um, um, if you are, you may ought to make choices, take, take precautions for yourself. Stop licking toilets if, you know, if you're looking for Instagram views. And, and if you're elderly and you have you know, health issues, you know, definitely take your precautions. But the fear has just destabilized everything. But yeah, if it was actually deadly, man, we would all come together and we had agreed. But the reason why we're not agreeing is because nobody sees it happening. We say, no, no, it's not bad here yet, but it's coming. <laughs> really? Well, show me where it's bad. I would love to drive there and say, where's it bad at? And like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? So it's just comical to me because, because it's just, you know, people, it's our fault. We buy it. We turn to the channel. We all, we want to hear it. Human beings, if we don't have organic, not even must say not organic, we'll call it organic. If you don't have conflict in your life, you will seek it out, right? It's what makes you watch movies. Conflict, climax, resolution. It's, an, it's a thing inside of us that we seek. We desire it. We have to have it. And um, that's why we buy negative tabloids. It's why we, we, we subscribe to negativity because it generates that conflict on us. And it's why we watch football. If we, you wonder why football's good, it, because it's keeping a country from killing itself, right? It's the conflict that we need. I, I truly believe that's why the Roman Colosseum was built, because things were just too good. No one was at war, right? Rome had conquered everybody. Now they were going to end up destroying themselves from within because... What's happening in America? We're fighting over nothing. It's mind-blowing, yeah. right? So there's no real enemy. And humans are just fighters. We're warriors in some way. You know, what we want to be. So you put a couple gladiators on the field. Now we can live vicariously through these two dudes killing themselves. And that's my guy, right? And you can take millions of people, get to live through these athletes. And they, are, they generate the conflict. We just, want, we just seek the emotional experience of that conflict to overcome something. It's what we were designed to do, to find boundaries. It was programmed in our DNA to conquer boundaries and, you know what I mean, to become a dominant species, to survive. Like, it, we could go into the why. Well, fuck, it was to procreate, to, to become a better version of ourselves, to, 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 to outlive the next um, doggone rock that hits this earth, you know? It, it's just, I, for me, it's all science, and that's why I'm okay with everything that's going on. It's like... This is crazy, guys. Look what's happening. Like, I feel nothing because I know it's going to come back. And if it doesn't, it'll collapse and then it'll come back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what so can I worry, do? worry, either way. Yeah, I bought an RV. I yeah. bought an RV. That RV's got to get me to the coast. I learned how to sell on Percy Priest Lake. And if it gets bad enough that everybody out here is eating each other, right, and taking each other's shit, I'm going to sneak down to the coast. I'm going to get on my boat and I'm going to go to some third world country where they've been living <laughs> like shit forever, right? You know? I'm going to sit back and just see how long I can survive and keep my family fed. That's the worst case scenario to me. But ultimately, I'm not worried about it because they've been preaching gloom and doom. Man, we just went through the Civil War not too long ago. That was pretty horrific. Family members killing each other. Like, God bless. We've got it pretty good right now. Yeah. So now we got other things to talk about next show. Yeah. We just got to remember. Yeah, I think this was a really good one. I, we got to do this more often. I think that's a secret. Um, I think these would be easier if we pick up on some topics and you know do you ever watch it back did you watch your show yeah 
Did you learn anything from it? Like from yourself? Like did you was you was you kind of surprised yeah. by your own points of view? Yeah. It's really interesting hearing yourself back. You're like, oh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> or I wish I'd have said it this way. I've yeah, learned. that's the that's. I wish I would have rewarded different. I wish I would have said this that mm-hmm. I forgot. You know, I learned and, a lot. I don't know when to shut up. Yeah. That's my bad flaw. But I'm trying. I hope I'm doing better. Anyway, I had so much fun, buddy. All right, thank brother. you so much. Episode ten, right? Ten. Awesome. This is thanks, I, Dakota. I thought my other one was my favorite, but I think this one was genuinely my favorite. <laughs> hey, we get we just getting, getting better, better at it. Yeah. Practice. Yeah. yeah. Man, I didn't expect us to go into any of those things. I've been kind of holding. Like we barely I told touched you, on, I but those start talking. That's I can. Do. We can take any one of those, and I always say that. Oh, we need to stop on one of them. We can. I would love to go into the why and the how and the what, and it's fun for I me. I think for now that I mean you have done two of them. We can go back and start. Yeah. And preparing ourselves better at what we want to talk well, how about. How often do you want to come on? You want to come on? I don't like to plan shit, but you know, you want to spend more time on here. Yeah, we'll, we'll spend more time here. You'd be my Tuesday that, yeah. date. Maybe I'll start doing a Tuesday podcast, <laughs> Freddie. I, I think now I can prepare my mind for yeah. and how I want to say it, and how to say it, and mm-hmm. what points I want to discuss. And all yeah. that. Had a blast. Thank you so All much. Right. Thanks, Doug. Thank you very much. <laughs>